though it's uh, emphasis on uh, relaxation and one can we talk a lot about restraint in this tradition and also it's interesting to interpret restraint rather than as some kind of uh, negative uh, holding back one can also see it as relaxation or like renunciation in the words like renunciation can be seen as having to give up things something we have to things that are dangerous or get in the way we we renounce or simplify simplifying one's daily life I'm just playing with words now just to see how you know it's how how do we want to interpret these words because if we give always a very strict interpretation restraint renunciation discipline uh, and uh, speak little eat little sleep little uh, you know, shut out the, the sensory impingement as much as possible and so forth. Then what what does this kind of uh, message do to you, you know, in terms of your emotional reaction to these very kind of negative, negative uh, uh, interpretations? And so like, like words... Uh, you know, we we think we oftentimes understand because we've we've got kind of habitual language becomes very habitual to us. But if your you know if your native language is English, the language you've learned in childhood, so it, it can be just a, you know a kind of habit that one has. And now exploring this effect of concepts, words, positive and negative, the being in this state of awareness. So you can see how we can intimidate ourselves endlessly through, through idealizing uh, kind of certain words, taking them like restraint and seen it always as some kind of tying yourself down, holding yourself back, or could also be seen as kind of letting go, relaxation, restraining from just following impulses and and uh, and, and mental habits or physical habits to relaxing resting, simplifying. And it's the form of a retreat like this, where you know it's organized, uh, silent, and and sitting one 
hour and then walking another and on and on like this. What, how does this affect you? You know, just notice this, the, the kind of routine, organized structure and how we tend to not, not in any way to say, you know, that there's anything wrong with it, but just to observe your own uh, way you hold it. You get, I mean, we can become very compulsive and, and, uh, and we can, the, such structures can make us very uh, compulsive about meditation, conforming, obeying, keeping to the routine, Not that I'm not anything wrong with that, but just see how that that we can, uh, you know, even with the best intentions, we can we can create incredible tensions just through the way we hold uh, the idea of a retreat, formal retreat, noble silence. So in this, this, this retreat, it's, it's an opportunity to explore and investigate the, the way we grab things, the way we hold the conventions that we're using. You know, like a hard-line approach is a, you know, the, the kind of uh, command, commanding style, it, which, you know, I, I sit up here and kind of browbeat you into, into conforming. This is what some people like. They like Zen masters who hit them over the, on the, back when they slump over something and have having a strong authority figure keep everything under control some people like that other people resent that and I I've I don't particularly like that style myself, and uh, it's not the one that I found very conducive towards uh, 
mindfulness in terms of my own practice. <clears throat> so the, uh, what I needed to learn was how to relax and trust and have confidence in my own abilities rather than, than uh, you know, try to, to live up to a standard that somebody else imposes on me. So this is, uh, you know, this, this is, this retreat is for, uh, you know, taking, what do they say, taking responsibility for yourself or rising up. It's an opportunity to rise up to the situation, to not just just uh, take take it for granted or or um, just conform to it, because you have to go through this two-week retreat. Just go along with it in half-hearted way, or or make it into a, a, a cause celeb for your practice. To get something from it, prove something to yourself. And, but if these are these are the mental states that, that you have, and notice them, that's not not uh, everything is allowed. Everything belongs. Can you actually accept something you don't like very much in yourself? Are you willing to allow it to be the way it is? This is a, another challenge I found. To, to allow something in me that I don't like to be what it is without the, without creating some problem about it. So this takes, this is where the trusting in the awareness rather than then holding to ideals where you we're coming from ideals and we endlessly get caught in in fighting and resisting ourselves into controlling so learning to to patiently kind of relax and open allowing whatever arises in your conscious experience to be what it is mm-hmm. It's a negative, depressing feeling or elated or happy or whatever. So trust in this, the, in this awareness of it, allowing the conditioned realm to operate without you thinking you have to change it, control it judge it in some way. Like in, uh, uh, what I'm suggesting is to enjoy this retreat. Uh, 
see it as a joyful opportunity rather than put it in, in some you know, context of that arouses compulsive feelings or negative reactions. So how to enjoy this retreat, you know, because, uh, you know, you expect me to, to entertain you or make you laugh or something, but, but uh, learn how to, to bring joy into your consciousness. Like one of the practices, like some of the practices are gladdening, gladdening the, the mind. Like devotional practices, chanting and and mantra and hymn singing and and uh, prayers, uh, concentrating in on positive signs, brighten and gladden the heart. You know, so <clears throat> this is also skillful means. Because uh, sometimes we, when we don't do that, then we, we tend to, we oftentimes take a very kind of utilitarian approach, kind of dull, dreary, I've got to, you know, learn to be patient, I've got to, uh, you know, the sense of the compulsive feelings arise in, in, in making it into some kind of chore, some kind of difficult thing that you have to put up with or endure. It's easy, much more easy to endure than when, when, when one is joyful and when one is just holding to, a, to the idea of having to endure, because that can be quite, quite a dreary prospect. You know, just holding to the idea of patient endurance. So we we do have the ability to gladden, to to bring joy, to brighten our consciousness. Just like like uh, you know, if you can visualize or positive, you know, use positive images or concepts. Metta practice is, is that way, that it's de- developing this, this loving kindness, beautiful attitude of total acceptance, non-discrimination, non-preference, that metta is is totally grand. It doesn't doesn't favor any anything anyone over anyone else. It's uh, totally accepting, totally uncritical.
It's like, may everyone abide in well-being. That includes everyone, isn't it? It's not... It's a... It's 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 a it's a whole wholeness, a totality in regards to the conditioned realm. It's not it's not uh, comparing or preferring. So this uh, metta towards yourself, may I abide in well-being, see it also, it's a goodwill, loving yourself, of respecting yourself, of trusting. And this includes everything that, that you think or feel or experience, you know, you say, May I abide in well-being, or this attitude of metta toward yourself it includes even your bad thoughts and your uh, immature emotions and your pain and anguish and so forth. That it's non-discriminatory. It's, it's allowing all those things to be what they are as we experience them as a willingness to to let life flow not to feel we have to control interfere resist protect ourselves So when using the conditions for practice, uh, you know, this, this uh, we call it skillful means, upaya, because we, if we, but our, our refuge is in the unconditioned, not in the conditions. So we can develop upaya or skillful means in regard to the condition realm that we're living in, that we're, that we tend to get lost in and we identify with, cling to. So in the condition realm, relationship to it is one, now say like metta, of loving kindness rather than preference, discrimination, criticism and judgment. The refuge in the unconditioned or the here and now. And then we That's an act of faith, isn't it, of trust? Because you can't, you, you can't get at it. You can only be it. You know, where the condition realm, you can always see it objectively. 
it always has an objective, you know, it's, it, it's an object that one can recognize. Feelings, emotions, physical body, thoughts, subtle movements, energies, and all this, they're, they're, uh, they're aramana, they're, they're objects that, that you can observe, witness to, notice their presence and absence. But unconditioned, you can't, you can't observe that as an object. It's not a condition. Unconditioned is not a condition that you can observe. <laughs> so how how to how to realize the unconditioned is this trusting, this awakened attention. Resting in the Dhamma, apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation. So now just, just kind of just resting, a sense of open attention. Just letting everything be the way it is. And... Allowing the world to to flow according to its karma, and you are now just the knower of the world. It's this sense of resting, open receptivity. Nothing to get or get rid of. So, you know, trust in this, in in being this awareness, this knowing, this consciousness, which things come and go, conditions arise and cease. And so, what comes and goes can be beautiful or ugly or attractive or Pulsive, whatever you know, qualities, the conditions are always have qualities to them so that they're, you know, we feel attracted or we feel averse. But that's, uh, you know, that's the, because we, we, uh, we, when we're not aware, when we're just caught in in reacting to the conditioned realm, then we, we, you know, we go up and down with it all the time, retracted and repelled and happy and sad. But beyond that, 
happy and sad, attracted and repelled, is these are reactions. So this awareness is is behind those reactions. It embraces those reactions. So in this this kind of infinite space or this silence has no boundary. It's not a silence. I can find no boundary for it. First you might think it's in your ears because uh, just the word sound usually immediately we, we connect it to, to the ear. We think it's like some kind of buzzing in the ear. <clears throat> and we, if we, you know, if that's the perception we grasp, then then it doesn't, doesn't it doesn't have much. Uh, we don't give it. We don't appreciate it because it is like buzzing the ears, not particularly a a pleasant perception. <clears throat> So then, uh, we explore it further and kind of rest in it, delight in it, relax with it, seek it out. As a kind of gentle and soothing, peaceful, Then, as you as you you get over the, the perceiving it as something, then you're more just with it. You're resting in it. Then doesn't have any boundary. It's always here and now. You know, it, uh, train yourself to 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 listen to it, even in the midst of uh, activities or noisy situations. When you're eating your food, you know, and you're eating your meal, no, it's lit. and you can do anything with it. It's like a, a, a perpetual stream. It's always with us when we when we awaken to it. It takes a certain willingness to open and receive. When you're trying to get it through conceiving it, then you, you'll find and you're, you're always frustrated because you have this idea that it is a sound that you've got to get. So uh, rather than, than creating it into something, this attitude of relaxed receptivity, it's like the background it, of everything. Call it the Brahmanada.
And when I rest in this, now there's consciousness. I'm fully conscious. I'm not asleep. I'm not in a trance. I'm not absorbed in anything. Awareness, consciousness is like this. So noting it, affirming it, appreciating it rather than than uh, ignoring it. Like this uh, sense of, of really uh, allowing it to be consciously accepted. Usually we, in our conscious experience, we we don't notice if it doesn't stand out, if it doesn't exist in, in, as a condition, we don't notice. So let's say in the ignorant person uh, lives through perception. They experience life only through what they're conditioned to perceive. You know, so that which you have no perception for and, and is, it isn't, doesn't exist, doesn't stand out, then you, you don't, you just overlook it. So you can be like a conditioned human being. We, we culturally conditioned to perceive things and reality is a, is a certain way of perceiving uh, this realm we're living in. And that which isn't, we have no perception for, we don't notice. And what we grasp are the extremities. We usually notice things if they're extreme, you know, if they're really beautiful or ugly or things that what is neutral, we don't tend to give our attention, pay any attention to it, that which is neither beautiful nor ugly, just overlooked. Well, and in the, this uh, awareness of this Brahmanada, to connect with it you need it's a relaxed attention not a not something you've got to find but something that is here and now if you open relax and open to it Now, if I'm establishing that is my, since that includes everything, since that is the, the background, for me it, it functions as the unconditioned, then the conditions, they all belong. So I can focus on whatever conditions I choose, such as like the, the body, the, the sensations in the body. So I can establish this, this infinite silence, stillness. And then I notice the body is, is as an object, as an aramana, other than the subject. And then it's a 
right now they observing, just noticing the experience of this human form sitting here like this. I notice the breathing there. You can, you can, because it includes everything, then you can, you can uh, notice uh, your r right knee or the whole body. You, know, you can, whatever you decide to, to uh, observe is aramana, it's like this. Then, uh, like the body, then can be, you know, like the sweeping practice. That uh, many of you have learned through uh, Goenkaji or this, these kind of techniques are quite, you know, very good to, to use to to explore, to to be with, to focus on this uh, sensation of pleasant, painful, neutral sensation. So then the, the body itself, it, it really enjoys this. You know, it relaxes and when it's noticed, when you're allowing uh, the body to be received in consciousness. Like it's, much of the time, the parts of our body, we don't. You know, we, we tend to exploit the body, identify with it, and uh, ignore it. Or we can criticize it all the time. We don't like our bodies. We don't, you know, there's something always wrong with them. Or we may just use them for pleasure, just to see how much pleasure you can get out of your body. Or we just take it for granted. Push it and force it to do things. <clears throat> Well, now relationship to the human body is not that way. It's respectful witnessing of it. The condition in nature is like this. To break through the identity, that's a very, such a powerful sense of self, is a physical body. That's really the ego, the takiditi, so, so kind of clutching, identifying with this form. Like self-consciousness and vanity and all this is just, uh, it's what it, you know, how worrying about what we look like and all that is very much a society that that so strongly believes that that we are these human shapes, these human forms.
So now from this spaciousness, this stillness, the still point that includes in the body is is being fully accepted for what it is in the present. It's like this. You know, it's an intuitive recognition of it. Not a cultural way of looking at it or experience of sitting is like this. You're just noticing the where your feet are, hands and alignment of your spinal column and abdomen, chest. Just whatever we can explore and kind of sweep through this, just noticing and accepting the way it is. The tensions in it, the knots, or whatever is not to to this is a a meta practice rather than than some kind of uh, thing that we've got to get rid of these tensions and these knots. We've got to do something about them. Nothing to do. Just allow them to be what they are. Because there's room for everything. Room for tension, room for knots in the stomach, and room for pain. It all belongs. This is so vast, so perfect that there's nothing it doesn't belong, no matter how horrible nasty it might be, it still So then the, the still point is here and now, you know, in terms of each one of us. Uh, right now, you know, this physical body, the coal islands made of sitting here. That's the, that's the center of the universe, this point right here. So if you want to be in the center of the universe, you come and sit on my lap. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that's quite right. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is a reflective... In terms of here and now, isn't that always the way? Each one of, each one of us is the center. You know, for experience, here and now. That's where you, you, you need to drop this 
limitation of yourself as a personality because then, you, you know, it's so distorting and so deluding to operate from that view that I'm this person. Because that that is just a conditioned perception. That's not... And, and that's very changeable, very unstable. But this is always present in it. Wherever you are, and whatever state of mind you're in, or health, whatever... Just refer back to the center, this, this opened attention, sound of silence, the still point, center of the universe. And this is, this is, this is reality, isn't it? That's the way it is. This isn't like megalomania or inflating yourself into, you know, not saying that, that I'm I have I am somebody important because I'm the center of the universe. Just noticing this in terms of this moment, this is the way it is. This is the center here and now. And rest in that centeredness, the center, just being present. Not claiming it as some personal attribute, but Recognizing it, this is in terms of this moment. This is the way it is. This is the, the for for a human entity, a human being, being born into a, a form like this. So it's the conscious form that is a point. And from this point, we, we find a still, the stillness that we can rest in through awareness. And there's no person, it's not personal. You know, when you become a person, you have to start thinking, I think, therefore I am. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I start becoming Ajahn Sumedho through thinking <coughs> and attaching to my thoughts and my feelings and memories. I become a person. But in this still point, no person, but it's conscious, intelligent, alert. When I first became aware of this sound of silence, <laughs> it was there. I was at Samanera before I met Ajahn Chah, and I just noticed that uh, I was just so obsessed thinker. You know, that first year I lived alone in this kuti and just uh, went through 
most hellish uh, experiences in the beginning, then very blissful ones. But they, they, uh, just being uh, stuck alone in a little hut for a year was uh, was quite an ordeal. I noticed when when I uh, this this resonating kind of scintillating sound of silence. If I stayed with it, I felt quite peaceful. If I, uh, but when I get caught up in my loves and hates and emotional reactions, I couldn't find it anymore. Also, I know that like stop thinking, like like the because I was such a obsessed thinker. Then I would notice if I if I tune into this sound silence, the thinking process stops. So it's just pure awareness without thought. But it's not like recognizing these very simple things. With us all the time, it's in, they're not like attainments or, or uh, you know, special attributes. They're just not noticed, not recognized, not understood. So then the, the form, the monastic conventions, form of a retreat, recognize these are, this is convention form. That to be, to be recognized in terms of what it is, rather than created into something more than what it is. <clears throat> so how, how do we relate, how can we relate to form? If we, if we still are, think I'm with a human body, and I'm this person, because that's another form, how does one form relate to another form? You know, you just conform, don't you? You kind of conform to the forms as a person. Oh, well, you've got to be a monk. Well, you might as well keep living here. You've got to do this. You've got to, you know, surrender to the form, conform, obey. And on like this is coming from uh, identity with the body and the personality, and then the forms around us are are just you know either we conform and surrender and attach or we rebel against them. We get confused by them endlessly, picking, choosing, liking, disliking them. This is why I'm encouraging this re- realization, this reality of, of the unconditioned, 
as your refuge and to trust it so that you're getting beyond the, the, the assumption that you are. And this is quite a strong assumption that you are the, uh, a person, a, a body. And the only way you can break out of that assumption is by, by, by trusting in this awareness of it. Not by taking on another kind of attitude about it. Or just negating, you know, I'm not the body, I'm not the Vedana, Tanya, I'm not any of these. Just that, that is, uh, it can be merely just another form that you attach to because it's, it's uh, a view or an opinion you can be attached to. And this is where it's a, uh, you know, trusting resting, opening, there's all these sense of receptivity, not closing down, not trying to cut out anything, exclude or divide anything, but to receive life, to open, to be in the flow of the stream, to where you, you can get perspective on the stakhiaditi, the personality views, or your your identity, your, how how ingrained and how strong the identity with the body can be, or emotional uh, emotions are very personal, aren't they? There's a very strong sense of power, emotional power, and personality with emotion. And yet, this this awareness includes all of that. It's not a not a judge, doesn't prefer, but allows, accepts, embraces. And this is a refuge, Buddha Dhamma Sangha, this sense of refuge. So reflect, and the rest, uh, as long as your body's alive, this is the point you're going to experience from, like this, you know, as it ages and changes. So from this point, what happens, what impresses on these, on these senses, on this physical form on this mind you know it could be anything you know who who has who can say it's all unknown the features the unknown so. but our the attitude is open receptivity rather than fear and control and there's a sense of Fearlessness. Nothing we have to do, get or get rid of. You know, don't even have to change or. You know, all this, 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 uh, this horrible sense of I've got to get something I don't have yet. I'm not good enough the way I am. 
I'm impure. I've got to. I've got too many emotional problems, too many bad habits. So I've got to get rid of them. I've got to purify myself. I've got to get something. I get rid of something. This this very uh, much culturally conditioned sense of there's something wrong with me now, and I need to do something to make it right. So then in the reflective, the center point here, it's perfect, so that even this sense of there's something wrong with me is a condition. It's an arom, it's an aramana, it's something that arises and ceases rather than your what the position you take on experience. So if you always operate from that unquestioned sense of I am uh, this person, there's something wrong with me, I need to do something to make myself better or get enlightened. And, you know, it's going to, you end up be totally discouraged at the end of your life. Because you, you know, it's just going to be a big disappointment trying to purify what is, his very nature is impure. Trying to have the perfect personality, the perfect body, you know, like these fitness types. It's the perfect body, perfect personality. But still, I mean, when they, even when you get it to a kind of peak, maybe, it, you can't sustain it. You know, the aging process takes its toll. Time is cruel, isn't it? What was once beautiful, young and beautiful, gets old and haggard. to enjoy this, enjoy yourself, uh, to see this is, uh, you know, to not see this retreat in terms of uh, a kind of uh, boot camp, uh, um, you know, another, you know, see it, put it in, in such dark terms of having to get something or get rid of something. But if that's what you do, be awakened to that. How we hold this, this idea of a, the word formal retreat, noble silence, practice. And the word practice can be, you know, be another, but a practice. Got to get my practice. And just the, that simple word practice becomes an intimidating perception. 
So trusting in your in in how you 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 know what you do with the conventions with the with the formed world that we're experiencing. What's your relationship to it? How do you hold it, receive it? Do you, can you respond or do you just merely react? Like the Pavlovian dog, you know, this is, this is what many people end up being, just conditioned to salivate when you ring the bell, even when there's no food. Uh, because we're just programmed to do that, or getting beyond that. This is a way to to transcend, and transcending means to embrace the conditioned realm. The, so even the salivating when the bell rings is accept. You know, it, it belongs. It's not. We're not despising it or making any problem about it. It's just recognizing it. And in that recognition, we transcend it. We, we, we're no longer limited to that, you know, bound into that habit. We can let it go, let it be what it is, and it, and it, it, it you know, all conditions are impermanent, so they arise and cease. 